So let's be honest, all of us love getting Christmas gifts on Christmas, even as adults, don't we? I mean, yes, as children, we were out of our mind when we got to find those gifts under the tree that had our names on it. We didn't know what they were and we were ready to tear in, or even better, when you did know what they were and you couldn't wait to get it. That was often me. But one of these years, uh, two years ago actually, I got an opportunity to pull up one of those gifts, begin to open it, and I was blown away by what I found because it was this gift I wasn't looking for. It's this box set actually of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings. What I love about this was it's hardbound, it's got the illustrations of Alan Lee. It just was, it was so huge to me. It actually began to make me cry. And you're thinking, Greg, come on, man, you are totally a nerd. Yes, I am. But the reason it made me cry wasn't because of the gift, it was because my wife knew me so well. She had found something that I didn't even know I wanted. It was something I didn't even realize would affect me like it did because when she purchased it and I opened it, it just revealed a gift that showed that she knew me and that she loved me and that she knew my wants and desires in a way that maybe even I didn't. That is exactly the kind of gift that God gives us all the time. You see, this world wasn't looking for so many of the things, or we were looking in the wrong places for leadership, for, for defeating death, for the issues of morality and our sin. And God knew this, and He had brought a present to us. He brought us a gift in Jesus. And we've seen this over and over again, that in this Christmas season, everything is improved because it's all about to be made new. Because in Jesus, we see a new humanity that has come in that manger. In Jesus, we see a new leader that has come in that manger a new morality that's been changing us and shaping us. It is a beautiful, beautiful opportunity to understand the gift that God has given us is one that deep down we've all longed for, and some of us didn't even realize it. And I'm not even done, because Jesus had another great gift. As that great leader we talked about last week, he actually comes and shares with us one more incredible, incredible promise. And this is a gift God knew we longed for for many, many years. In fact, as we look around this world right now, our entire culture, our entire world is bent on this issue. We look at the earth itself, we look at the environment, we look at the science, we look at these things, and we think, my goodness, we need to do something about this. This world is in jeopardy. This, our, our, our planet is in trouble, whether we think of it in uh, environmentalism and the tearing down of the rainforest, whether it's the, uh, the carbon you know, dioxide in the air, all these kinds of things that people are worried about. and It's just all over the map. And you know what? The bottom line is what we're seeing is the reality that human sin has destroyed our earth. Over and over again, we see in the scripture that God gave us a planet. God gave us his planet. He gave us his universe. And what we did in our sin is we've ultimately begun to destroy it. We've ultimately begun to tear it apart. In fact, um, this is part of the curse. This goes actually literally to human sin. Not just our individual actions, but to human sin in general. The earth was designed to sustain us, to, to hold us, to love us. It was an original gift God gave us. It was brand new. And along comes humanity. And in Genesis chapter 3, we see that we sinned. We followed through on the, the serpent, Satan's um, temptations, and our morality failed. And we lost our leader, God. And we came to a place where we are going to die. And we brought the earth into difficulty. In fact, God said to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and you've eaten of the tree which I have commanded you, um, you shall not eat of it. 
Cursed is the ground. There's our term. Cursed is the ground because of you. This word cursed means bound up, tied down, restricted. The ground is now cursed because of you. And so the result was in pain. We should eat of it all the days of our lives. Thorns and thistles it's going to bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. And this is struggle now in agriculture is known throughout the world. Subsistence farming and the starvation that's occurring and all these different things have happened because the earth doesn't naturally produce than what we need as human beings. And this world doesn't do that because it's become bound up. It's been cursed. Paul picks this up and he's writing his missionary letter to the church in Rome. He puts it this way. He says, for the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly because of him who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We'll get into this later, but I just want to fixate on two thoughts here. Number one, it was subjected to futility. You see, this world has been subjected to a meaninglessness. When you and I wake up in the morning and we think we found meaning in our workplaces because we're making a widget or we're, and we're telling ourselves we're doing bigger things. This entire movement of capitalism where we're, we're being good to use our money to help other people out is a great thing. But it's in a search for, for meaning. It's in a search for something beyond just going to work. It's a replacement, to be quite honest, of the Christian background. Because what has happened is the world, the entire creation, all the universe has been subjected to futility, to meaninglessness. And no matter where a person finds their meaning, ultimately there's one other problem. It's been bound to corruption. That was that idea that it's been cursed. The ground is cursed. It's been bound to a disintegration, a destruction. We see this. We see this in our environment. We see this in our world around us. We can actually do the scientific math and see that our planet one day will be engulfed in a giant hot flame from our sun as it burns out. We see the entire universe eventually is going to just spread out to this even milk toasty nothing to where nothing exists anymore. No physical matter, just atoms everywhere. And here's the problem. Where's the meaning that we forged today? Then it's nowhere. There is an ultimate meaninglessness to the things that we do. Sure, it may have a a particular meaning right now, but that ultimate meaning just dissipates and disappears. And what good is that? It has no lasting effect. It has no true ultimate meaning because the entire thing has been subjected to futility. And whether we try to find our meaning in some temporary religion, some business, something, I don't know how, if you're thinking in a secular mindset, if you're putting God outside of your thinking, maybe you're not an atheist, but maybe you just don't bring God, maybe you don't bring Christ into your thinking process, I don't know how you're going to get up and keep going. I don't know how you're going to go through COVID and then find the true meaning that you're really living for in this time period as you watch people die, as you watch people suffer, as you see jobs shut down, as you see the Meaning for everybody's lives vanished. See, the problem is this entire creation, this entire earth has been subjected to futility. And the bottom line is we want to do something about it. In fact, this is, I'll be honest, this is why the earth attacks and destroys us. As we've rejected our creator, John Frame says, so the earth rejects its master. We reject our leader, our king, it rejects its leader. And so we have these hurricanes. We have these horrible earthquakes that destroy humanity where it was never intended to. And so we go, what are we going to do about it? We need to to act. We need to save the planet. We need to do something. And if you've ever seen the movie Interstellar, it is an excellent existential movie on the threat that we feel. 
The beginning of the movie, the earth is going through this horrible disease where all the food is being destroyed and it, the entire planet's turning basically into a Mars-like environment. And they have to get off the planet. They've got to figure out a way to find another habitable world. And so they send out these astronauts. And the intensity of the entire thing is filled with this desire to save people because the bottom line is the earth isn't going to survive and neither are we. That is the feeling so many people are growing up with today. They're thinking, this is it. This is our one shot. This is our only place to live. We need to get to some other planet. Unfortunately, if you do the equations and you do the astrobiology, you begin to look. Even if there was another planet out there with some other life, it probably isn't going to be sustainable for us. And the issue that we're coming to is that we may be a one-and-done kind of planet. This may be so rare, so different, that we are going to be struggling to find anything. And so you see, this is the heart behind things like the Green New Deal. This is the heart behind environmentalism. This is the heart behind trying to save people from the dire destruction of the one place that we have. It's a threat. But the problem is even when we try to fix this, we have a tendency to make matters worse. Let's be honest, there's been several illustrations of this. One of these was a pristine uh, island way out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, a conservationist's dream. And there was all these beautiful birds and all these interesting plants that were there. And it was seals and, um, and different kinds of uh, marine, bi marine animals would come and they would live on this particular island. Well, the problem was uh, to get the whale oil, to get the seal oil and all this stuff, uh, in came all these trappers and men from, during the late 1800s and basically took over the island, killed off a whole bunch of things and introduced cats and rats and, um, and bunnies all over this particular island. It was killing off the foliage, the original foliage. So these environmentalists, these conservationists show up and they're like, we got to fix the whole problem. we got to get rid of the cats. And so they get rid of the cats, but then the, the rabbits multiply. They introduce a virus to the rabbits and the rabbits die, but um, eventually the cats are gone. So the rabbits kind of rebound. And so now they finally get rid of all the rabbits and all the rats. And next thing they know, weeds take over the island because the rabbits were keeping the weeds out of the way. And now they're trying to figure out how to get rid of the weeds to, to bring the right foliage back. And now the birds are dying because of what they used against the rats, all this craziness to try to fix what they think they can fix, but we can't fix it. This is an island we're talking about, let alone the entire planet. And I think what's going on is many people are coming to the realization that if we try to fix one thing, it's only going to bring about the destruction of something else. It, it, technically, it would be called a Gordian knot. You can look that up. It's, it's a weird idea that when you untie one part, another part only gets tighter. It's not a solution we can find because the problem is human sin broke the planet. To get rid of sin is the only solution to refixing the planet because even when we try to do what's right, we're going to break something. So what do we do? Well, thankfully, we as Christians, we have a new hope. We have a better hope. We have a greater hope, and it's in Christmas, right? Because at Christmas, the universe is going to be made new. Say what? The universe? Yes. God promised us not just us to be transformed, not just a new humanity, not just a new morality, not just a new transformation of a leadership. Guys, he promised a transformation. He promised an entire new universe. Check out this. It's found in Isaiah. I'll give you the verses. These are actually often quoted in, um, in the New Testament as the ultimate heaven, the ultimate opportunity to live out. And he starts here, he says, in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17, he says, For behold, I create new heaven and a new earth, 
and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. He's saying, look, this old messed up world, this old brokenness is going to be gone. I'm going to make it all new. I'm going to renew it. I'm going to make it shiny like you just brought it off the assembly line. We're back at Eden. Boom. That's the idea here. In heaven and on earth, all the sin gone, all the corruption ended, all the evil reduced, all this stuff. Because he describes it. For no more shall there be in an infant who lives but a few days. Or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man will die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. And he's, this is all symbolic language. So he's pointing back to, remember the genealogies where people live hundreds and hundreds of years. We're going to go back to that. We're going to go back to a man living long. We're going to go back to babies being old men, this kind of stuff. And we're going to see is there's not going to be any labor in vain. All that futility, gone. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. So he's saying, you're going to have tons of children. You're going to have this futility. All the curse is reversed. Women, no more difficulty in family and childbearing. Men, no more difficulty in the labors on the, uh, on the ground. You know, this is the picture that is being given. All the curse is flipped. Everything's been backed up. All of the world has come together. In fact, even the creation has changed. He says, the wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be on the ser- will be the serpent's food. Now, that doesn't change, does it? The, the, the serpent's still cursed, but everything else is in blessing. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. And this is beautiful because now we suddenly have a reality in which all of creation is brought to peace. The, we, the Hebrews called it shalom. And so shalom has come. This kingdom of the rule of the great leader of this new humanity has broken forth to produce a new world. You say, Greg, it says nothing about a leader. It says nothing about a humanity. What are you talking about? Why is, why is this new earth attached to Christmas? Because that doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, that promised leader we spoke about, who is Jesus, that one who is the new creation, this new humanity who is perfect in his character, he is the one promised to bring about this new creation. In fact, this isn't the first time we see this wolf and the lamb lying together. This is actually the second time. The first time occurs earlier in Isaiah chapter 11. This is how this begins. He says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Notice this. From the stump of Jesse. This was Jesse was the, the father of David. When they talk about the stump of Jesse, they're speaking of the Davidic line, of this line of kings. Israel had a, had a king named David, and they were promised to have king after king after king until this one Messiah, this great leader we spoke of last week, ultimately reigns forever, bringing about peace. He says, so there's this stump sitting there, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So there's this one leader coming who's going to come out of a shoot, a brand new line in a sense. It's going to rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. This person is going to walk in the presence of God, with the spirit of God, making judgments about hearts and not actions, all these things. This is Jesus. This is the promise of the seed. My backyard, I have a willow tree that I had to cut down. And to be honest, it's fascinating. I can't kill this thing. The stump is there. I've chopped it down multiple times and all the time, every time rain comes, eventually I give it a week, give it a month, give it a couple of months. There will be all these shoots that are shooting up. They call them suckers, popping out, trying to become a new tree. That's exactly the thing here. Jesse's entire line would be chopped down after the close of the Old Testament. 
The last person mentioned in the line of David is this guy named Zerubbabel. And he's sort of just mentioned in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, and then he vanishes. There's no sense of the Davidic line ever going on. It's just gone. The leader, like we said last week, is just missing. And so it's a stump. It's a chopped down tree and a new shoot births out. That's Jesus. Jesus comes out, this new line of David, boom, birthing forth, and he bears fruit. And this is what he brings about, all of this wisdom, all this peace. And then it says this, this one shall be a delight and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness. He shall judge the poor and decide with equity for meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. He shall kill the wicked. So he's going to bring about justice. He's going to bring about all of this, uh, the end of the evil. He's going to bring about all the judgment according to God. And then it lands this way. The wolf shall dwell with a lamb. Wait, what? And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and a little child shall lead them. In other words, the shalom peace, this new heavens and new earth, will be brought about by this one new leader. You see, when Jesus was born at Christmas, it was, the, it was, it was this awesome opportunity to see that what we have is the down payment of the new world. Jesus is the down payment of this new earth, of this transformation. Jesus is the down payment of what you and I have longed for. It's the announcement of a new earth that's coming, of the shalom, the peace that will be pervading, where the, all these things will occur. And this is exactly what we see at Christmas in the Christmas story. And so if you've got your Bible, let's go back to the Christmas story. Go to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verse 8 through 14. And we've got this sudden situation. Jesus has been born. He's been lying in a manger. You have all this stuff that's happening. And then suddenly, angels are going to appear to some shepherds. So as we pick up here in verse 8, let's jump in. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I love that. He begins right off, he says, Listen, I've got a good news. I've got a gospel. I've got a proclamation from the kingdom of heaven coming to you. It's good news, and it's going to be joyful. Joy, joy, joy. It should be down in your heart. It should be exciting in you. It should be bursting out of you. It's Christmas. Someone has come. And this isn't just for us. It's for all the people, right? It's for everyone, every nation, everyone around us. That's why I love that Christmas has become a ubiquitous thing in our culture. It's something that should bring joy to everyone because the Messiah, is being born. He goes on. He says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. He says, listen, he's the Savior. He's the one who's going to save us from our sins. He's going to be this guy who, who brings about his transformation, right? Who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. So the army of God appears, and they come in peace to bring about a great transformation. They say, and they're praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those people with whom he is pleased. Did you hear that? Peace, shalom, with those who have found favor in the sight of God. That's how that translates. Peace with those who have his grace. Shalom is coming. He has brought the shalom. He has brought the kingdom. He's brought this transformation. Jesus, who is the the shoot of of that stump of Jesse, is born that night. 
He is the son of David. He is the savior. He is the Christ, the Lord, and he brings a kingdom. If you've ever wondered, why is Jesus walking around all the time saying, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand? Because he is the representation of the shalom, the kingdom of God, the presence of the Lord, this new leader, this new humanity, this new reset, and it's growing and growing and growing. And I love this because Jesus brings a kingdom, and it's a kingdom of righteousness and peace, of shalom, where that lion and that lamb laid out, where that, all those things happened, the wolf and the, and the lamb, and this is what we mean. This peace has come to redeem all that was in rebellion with God, not just anybody. See, the peace was bought at the cross and it was brought into this world. See, we have peace with God from our sin. Jesus has reconciled us. He's brought us into peace with God, Romans 5, 1 says. We have peace now because of what he did on the cross. And we find our brotherhood where we are all able to love one another. See, because he's reconciled us, now there's peace in the church. We should be unified. We don't need to bicker and debate over COVID policies and over political policies and who's right and who's wrong. Guys, what we need to do is remember our King is Lord. Our God is over all these things. He's in control of the pandemic. He's in control of death. He's in control of the leadership. He's in control of all these things. And at Christmas time, we can unify under the rejoicing that our King and our leader has come and that he has set us free from our sin. He's given us his super morality. He has set us free from that. But the cross does even more. It sets free the universe. It sets free the world. Notice this it's in Colossians again. It says, Colossians 1.19, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. It's talking about Jesus, who was God on earth, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And some people want to argue, oh, this is, see, this is universal salvation. Everyone's going to be saved. All the, even the devil and his angels are going to be coming to heaven. This needs to be in contrast to all the other statements that are being made. What he means here is that everything that found itself in the rebellion, everything that found itself rejected by God, the cursed earth and those who have received favor, remember the peace comes to those who have favor with God, the cross brings about this peace. Jesus at the cross not only saved us from our sins, he began the transformation of the world. Because when sin is removed and we are transformed and he is resurrected, so the earth begins to change. Remember how I said when you receive what Christ has given us in morality, every improvement becomes a true improvement? This is the same case. You see, this universal peace that we would talk about from the angel's declaration where it says, Glory to God in the highest and peace among those with whom he is pleased is the shalom that is coming to our lives, is the peace that is going out through the church. Christ gave himself on the cross to bring about this peace, and it comes to all who will find that grace and favor. The earth is going to be redeemed. It will be transformed. He has reconciled heaven and earth into this new heavens and new earth because of what he did on the cross. But also, that means you should be a part of that. If you haven't received that grace, the peace will not be yours. You're not going to go to hell for a little while and then come back out. Now, if you don't want God now on earth, why do you think you'll want him after when he's giving you what your just due is? I don't think you're going to want a relationship with him. So start your relationship now. Receive the gift that Jesus gives of himself now, the gift of a new humanity, the gift of a new uh, morality, the gift of a leader that you can follow and trust and won't be corrupted, the gift of a whole new planet, a new earth, a new environment where it's all renewed, all good, and all transformed. 
What an opportunity for us to have this gift. This is why we urge you to come and receive the grace of Christ. This is why at Christmas, when we hear this announcement, you should be telling other people to share share Christ with them. Invite them to see they have something in Him. Come, know Him, see Him. If you want to do that, you can do that right now. You can simply let us know that, hey, I need to follow Jesus. And the easiest way, to be honest, is just to text us and say, uh, text the word begin. You say, I'm I'm ready, begin. I'm starting. I want to follow this leader. I need that. I want to be a part of this new earth. I want to be a part of this thing. And let us know. You can use this number at the bottom of the screen. Text it to us. And we would love to connect with you. And so that's where you're at. This is the application you need to stay there and hold up. Because now I'm going to talk to the rest of us. You see, what I love about this is the new world that has been promised to us, that has been bought at the cross, this new world is wrapped and ready to be received. It's all wrapped up. It's all wrapped up, and re- not just in swaddling cloths, it, it's wrapped up in another way. It's wrapped up in us. It's wrapped up in the church. But if, if in a real way, the new earth is actually wrapped in a wrapping paper of the church itself. You say, where do you get that from? Well, this is how Paul puts it. He says, for the creation again was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free. So one day this creation is going to be set free. It's going to be unwrapped from its bondage to corruption. It's, it's been bound up. It's been boxed up. And now it's going to be set free. And it's going to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. It's saying it's going to break forth from, this, from what has been bound to because the people of God have been set free. In fact, he goes on to say, when we have been transformed, when we receive our resurrection, so the whole earth receives its resurrection, as long as we are waiting for Christ's return, it's going to be set free with us. But in a real way, as we reveal that kingdom of God, as we spread that peace and we spread that knowledge, it transforms this world. The church right now is spreading the peace of God. Hear me, church. We are about bringing the shalom. And that means you don't have to resist or reject certain things. We get to spread the kingdom of Christ by sharing Christ everywhere that you go. You want to see justice happen, share Christ and watch the racist's heart change to accepting everyone. You, you want to see a victim find justice, have the victim receive Christ and see that Christ was the victim, and now they are free from having to hold on to vengeance and Christ is their justice. You want to see someone who's angry or a drug addict transform. When they receive Christ, they find the power over these things to be used and transformed. And we disciple you and we grow you. We walk with you, and when there's sacrifice, there's transformation. And what we have is this awesome opportunity to share Christ, to bring about the soil that produces the ultimate peace in this world. As it begins with a peace with God, so now the peace with others can begin to spread. Yes, there will be fighting. Yes, there will be debates. Yes, there will be those against us. However, we get to bring the kingdom of God, and we have an opportunity to bring a better world. And we do this each individually. That's why we do care for our creation, my friends. It's God's creation. We don't randomly, willy-nilly just kill animals at all we want. Conservationism began with Christianity because we knew this was His world, our Father's world. These were His animals. And for an animal to go extinct is an awful idea. Let's ensure that the animals that are here stay here. Not some evolutionary idea of, you know, survival of the fittest, and oh, well, they didn't, they didn't survive. No, it's a Christian conviction that the animals that we have in our homes, the pets that we have, we treat well because they're God's creatures. And we have God's 
earth. It's not about uh, existential threat, we're going to die. We know how the end's going to be. Instead, we see ourselves as the new Adams and Eves, the new men and women who are making a garden out of this world, who are transforming it for the good. And so, yes, there is a place for a Christian, thoughtful conservationism, and you call it environmentalism, whatever, but our heartbeat is to conserve what God has made. And we can care for others then. We can bring about shalom by meeting people's needs. You don't have to just trust a government institution to do that. Do it yourself. You know the people around you. You know the poor in your neighborhood. Why are we waiting for somebody else to initiate? Go out, connect, be ready to bring about the good. You're the kingdom of God. Go to the sick. Go to the orphaned. Go to those who are in jail. Go to the refugees. Bring them in. Lift them up. Care for them in this season and every season. Don't wait for just Christmas because we are the kingdom of God. The shalom on earth is flowing through us. We don't need to give it away to somebody else to do. We get to be those who bring about the transformation of this world. And those improvements that we bring, they resound for eternity. The improvements the world tries to do will be corrupted by evil, but the ones that we do when we follow Jesus, our leader in them, will bring about the greatest transformations. And we've already seen this. You do a little bit of history digging, and what you will find out is the universities were formed by the church. The hospitals were formed by the church. The hospices were formed by the church. The orphanages were formed by the church. You have all of these, uh, the, 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 hell, the way houses, the places where we would put people who were sick the, or the insane. Or, these were all formed by the church because we cared for everyone. And we brought them in. We didn't push them out. And what an opportunity in this season that we get to see an ultimate transformation by us being the shalom, the kingdom of God, the transformation that Jesus brought on his cross and through Christmas at his birth. He's that foundation, that beginning point. That means this new earth ultimately comes with him. When When our leader appears, man, everything transforms. The end of the Bible. In the last chapters, we end up with this picture. Jesus comes, all of his saints with him. The judgments occurred, and then everything shifts because now that very promise in Isaiah occurs. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. It was gone. The sea was no more. That means that the spiritual corruption was gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This this is the new opportunity. And he goes on. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Now we have the connection, the presence of God himself. Verse 4 picks up. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And this is the best part. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Don't you hear Isaiah reigning and ruling and all this just being shouted? The new earth is here. The shalom is full. As we are transformed into our new bodies, the flesh is gone. The new morality is in us. There will be no longer sin. There will be no longer corruption. And the earth will be restored. It will bear its fruit. It will bring about the beauty and the wonders. And heaven is restored. There will be no rebellion there. It will be a perfect place of harmony and truth brought by the coming of Jesus and the resurrection of those who are his saints. Guys, this is the promise that we have. And this should begin to motivate us. This should begin to get us excited. It changes the way we view our lives. See, we aren't those who are here now. We are those who are passing through. 
We are those who, who experience this world as these are but small, odd skirmishes as we look at the broad scope of history. We are not afraid the earth is going to be destroyed. We care for it and we minister, but we're not afraid of some drastic calamity. We trust that our Lord Jesus is coming to renew it all and we're going to go with him. And so we walk in this way, making sacrifices, putting our money and putting our time after the kingdom of God and making the shifts and the changes and redeeming these things. Second, we're going to look forward to the day when everything's new and improved. Guys, we get to not dread death. We don't have to freak out about it. Guys, we don't have to mourn like the world mourns. What we get to do is look forward to the day in which we will be brought into the presence of Christ. You want to go through suffering? Stay with that. Stay with the knowledge that to die is gain. You're going to have Christ. You're going to have the newness of life. You're going to have the new morality. You're going to have a new earth. It's all coming. You don't have to fear the suffering. You don't have to fear the death. It's hard. I'm not denying that. But what I am saying is that it doesn't have to be without hope. It doesn't have to be without a future because the, because the bottom line is this. Because of Christmas, everything is improved and about to be made new. Because Jesus came, our morality is about to be made new and it's been changed. The earth, the leadership, all of these things. Humanity has been renewed and it's about to be made new. When he comes, everything's changing. And so this is a lot, a lot, a lot like us as kids. We walk into that room, we see those Christmas presents and it's not quite Christmas yet. And we go, can I open one tonight? And our parents, what do they say? No, not yet. And that's the expectation of the, of the Christian's heart every day. Jesus can we open the kingdom today? And he says, hold on, not yet. There's some more people I want to bring in. There's some more good that we need to do. And we go, okay, what do we need to do? How many more days? He says, hold on, just not yet. Can we open it today? And hold on, not yet, not yet. Guys, I hope that gives you that hope because one day soon, one day soon, those presents are going to be opened. This wonderful world where the new humanity, the new morality, the new leadership, a new world is going to come forth because Christ is going to return and at this Christmas time, what I hope is that you walk away knowing that there is a great expectation of the gift being fully opened. It's begun, and we're a part of it now, but that fully opening is coming. And let's hope for that, knowing it's on its way. Let me pray for you this Christmas as we close up. Father, I ask that you would indeed just bless the people who are watching this today. Bless them with a great hope and expectation of what you are going to do. There is a new earth coming, a new heaven coming. Give us the sense of the ultimate, that our, we've been changed within. We're part of a new humanity. Death is defeated. Our sin is gone. The enemy is taken down. We have a leader who's leading us in victory and leading us to this new place. God, help us be like children on Christmas morning every day going, is it today? Is it going to happen today? And so, Lord, when we hear these words, may it just delight in us a hope and an expectation that you're coming. And in that, help put all the rest of this world's troubles into the right orientation, where we know you have got it and that there's a greater world coming and we do not have to fear. We surrender ourselves over to you. And we ask that you would be exalted at this Christmas time. In Jesus' name.